Good morning, greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be able to be together on such a beautiful Lord's Day. I've just marveled the last week at God's creation, what He has provided for us to enjoy. I invite you this morning to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I'd like this morning to endeavor to conclude our study of the book of Ephesians. I was a little surprised, looked back and did a little bit of a count. According to my count, this will be the 16th message I've preached from the book of Ephesians. So, some of it's been more challenging than others. Hopefully it's been a blessing to all of you. Hopefully you're not breathing too big of a sigh of a relief that this is the last one from the book of Ephesians. I'd like to look at the last portion. Uh, verses 10 through 24, and I'll read them at this time. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. <clears throat> but the uh, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye may know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So this, these verses here are Paul's conclusion to his letter to the Ephesians. And we have here his final admonitions. And he begins at this conclusion by saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I don't think that we should feel like that his final admonition is uh, 
less important or anything that, you know, that he says finally. But I believe that uh, maybe this is of utmost importance. Because, you know, as you think about it, all of Paul's previous teaching in this letter is useless unless the hearer is determined to avail himself of the power of God that's available and determined to stand firm in the face of spiritual conflict. Paul makes it clear here that we're facing a battle. We're facing a mighty conflict. And without determination, and without a strength that is greater than our own, will be defeated. And he states here that the, that the strength, the protection that we need isn't from within ourselves, it's from God. The battle is greater than us, so we need a strength that is greater than what we can provide on our own. I'd like to think a little about the, the mighty power of the Lord. says to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In Ephesians 1, verses 19 through 20, we're told that the power of God that's available to us as believers is the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead and set him at God's right hand. It's a power that we find hard to understand because it's a power that is stronger than death. You know, in our humanity, death is final. We know nothing but finality when we face death or when a loved one faces death. That's the end. Of course, we believe in a, uh, in a future hope in heaven, but as far as life goes, death is the end. The medical community has long worked to overcome the power of death, has long worked to lengthen human life, and there has been a certain lengthening of our life expectancy due to a better understanding of what we need to do to keep our bodies healthy, as well as medical advances in, in treating illnesses. But in spite of all of those advances and efforts that we think are pretty wonderful, death is still final. But God has power over death. God is the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And we can't comprehend that power. But there in Ephesians 1, it makes it clear that that is the power that we have available to us. 
That is the power that we have to withstand the forces of evil that endeavor to drag us down. So should we have any excuse for, for not living in victory? So we're admonished to avail ourselves of that power. Then moving on in verse 11, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There's two important things I'd like to, for us to notice in that verse. First of all, that God has provided for us protection for the battle against evil. He's provided what we need to be faithful to the end. That makes me think of a number of verses. One is 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. It says, according to his divine power, hath given us, this is speaking about what God has done for us, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. So we're told there that God has given us everything we need to live for him, to live a godly life. Also, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and this is a very familiar verse for us. But there is no temptation taking you, but, sh- but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So Paul here is talking about putting on the whole armor of God. And these verses here that I've I've read refer to God giving us everything that we need for life and godliness, a, a way of escaping temptation. God provides for his people what they need for spiritual victory. And that brings us to the second thing that I want us to notice there in verse 11, is that while God has provided that armor, that protection, it's up to us to put it on. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. It's it's not something that is automatic. God has created each one of us as a free agent, a free agent of choice. We have the ability to choose whom we will serve and what we will do in this life. God provided, when, when, when mankind fell into sin, God provided a way for us back to him. But it's our choice. We don't have to be reconciled to God, but he has provided the opportunity. He has made us free agents. And in the same way, he has provided us the ability to gain spiritual protection and spiritual victory. But he doesn't require it. 
It's our choice whether we want to be faithful to the end or not. He doesn't force salvation upon us, and he doesn't force spiritual victory upon us. He wants it. He requires it for it to be right with him. But he doesn't force it upon us. It's up to us to take what God's provided if we want to overcome the wiles of the devil or the schemes of the devil. If we accept his provisions, there's great rewards, but we accept them at the cost of giving up self. We can't live for self and find victory over evil. We see that in verse 12, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. This isn't a physical battle against a physical opponent. We're not engaged in hand-to-hand combat with, with a, an earthly enemy. But it's, it's a spiritual battle against a foe that opposes everything that is of God. It's an age-old battle between good and evil, between God and Satan, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom, kingdom of righteousness and the kingdom of evil. That's the battle that you and I are caught in the middle of. And it's up to us to choose what side we're on. If we choose God's side immediately, we find ourselves fighting against Satan because he opposes everything that has to do with God. We find ourselves fighting against Satan, striving to drag us back into his kingdom through whatever means he he can employ. In verse 11, Paul calls this the wiles of the devil. I don't know what you think of as, as a wow, but I looked up the definition, and it's, it's to captivate or to lure. It's, it's to use trickery. So Satan's tactic is to use things that, that catch our attention that are alluring to us to draw us away from following the straight path of righteousness. This isn't just a mild form of deception, but it's, it's aggressive, not, maybe not confrontationally aggressive, but it's, it's an active deception where, where Satan is, is battling to Lure us away from the things of God. So we need to actively guard and fight against his strategies. Verse 13, he says, Wherefore, because of this fact, because of the battle we're facing, 
or to take up the whole armor of God so that we can stand in the evil day. Again, it's something we need to take on ourselves. When we accept the Lord, not only do we join the battle, but we also find that the door is open to God's storehouse of armor for us to put on. And we're called to put on the full armor. Every piece working together for our spiritual good, our spiritual protection. So we must not neglect any portion. And he says that we're to put it on in preparation for the evil day. We're not to wait until we face evil before we face wait until we face temptation but we're to put on the full armor of God in preparation because we know the day of trial and temptation is going to come if we wait until the day of temptation we're not going to be prepared and I think that the evil day is, is speaking, most likely he's speaking of the day, the time when we face specific temptation, specific struggle uh, against yielding to Satan's attack. But I also think that in a broader sense that we're living in the, day, in, the, in the evil day. And that we need all the protection that we can get. You know, there's a general unrest and disrespect for authority in our society. Something that I don't think any of us here have ever seen before. At least not to the degree that, of, of unrest that, that we have. And I think that Satan is busy with his schemes trying to pull God's people into that, into that confusion and unrest and malaise of, of society around us. Any way that Satan can, can lure us into focusing our attention, our, our spiritual energies on something that is not of God's kingdom. So we need to remember that the battle isn't just for one day. The battle is ongoing. The difficult times may come and go. But we need to always be prepared to, stand, to be on our guard that we can be faithful. 
In verse 14, he begins to list the pieces of the armor, Christian's armor. He begins with girding up your loins with truth or fastening around your waist a, a belt of truth. That belt was what held everything together for, you know, this, this, is, this is in a physical sense a picture of the armor that the Roman soldiers wore. And that belt is what held everything together. So we're to put truth around our, our waist to hold, hold it all together. So what is truth? Jesus said in John 17, 17, that God's word is truth. And I believe that's what we're to be firmly grounded on. <clears throat> the truth of God's word is what is to hold everything together for us spiritually. If we're going to be able to stand firm, be firmly grounded against the devil's attacks. You know, the devil specializes in counterfeits. He's taken so many things, so many good things that God has created and given us some type of a counterfeit to draw us away from God's true intent for his people. Things that look good, things that sound good on the surface. And if we don't have the truth of God's word bound closely to us, it's easy to be deceived by some of those things. We should be taking seriously our reading and study of God's word, lest we be led astray. It's an integral part of our defense against evil. Next is the breastplate of righteousness. The New Testament scriptures clearly teach that within the church of Jesus Christ, that God expects and requires a holy and righteous life from his children. We're called to come out from the world to be separate from the sin and unrighteousness of those that are not living from the, for the Lord. The life that we live our, our actions, the things we do, the things we allow in our lives are important. If we're allowing things in our lives that are of the world, things that sully our righteousness before God, we're leaving off one of the most important parts of the Christian's armor. Does it matter where we go, what we look at, who we associate with, who we communicate with on a regular basis, what we listen to, etc.? Do those things matter? Yes, they matter. Because if what we are doing, if what we're allowing in our lives is in any way leading us away from a life of holiness and righteousness before God. If in any way it's creating impure thoughts or motives or actions, 
has the potential to weaken or remove that, that protection of the breastplate of righteousness and leave it, leaves us vulnerable to Satan's attacks. The next piece in verse 15 is having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Footwear gives stability and endurance. And I found it interesting that I read in one commentary that quality footwear has been credited in part for the military success of both Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar. Their armies had good, they were equipped with good sturdy footwear that enabled them to march long distances quickly, to cover a lot of ground, and arrive prepared for battle. We're to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we receive that footwear when we accept the gospel message of salvation and are reconciled to God. Taking that stand, it sets our feet on the right path. It sets our feet on solid ground. Also, the phrase has the idea of being prepared possibly uh, in, the, in the carrying of the forth of the gospel message, sharing it with others. And you know, both of those things give stability. The knowledge that we have accepted and been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us a firm footing. But also carrying forth that gospel message, sharing it with others, making a public profession of, of the gospel message, sets our feet in a firm place. As we promote that gospel message, we're going to be strengthened in our commitment and resolve to stand firm in the face of temptation. It's hard to, to publicly promote something and then the next day turn your back on it. So th as we promote the gospel of peace, it, it gives us a firm footing. The next item we're to take up in verse 16 is the shield of faith. <coughs> Excuse me. A shield we're all familiar with. Shield is something that's used to deflect arrows or darts or sword strokes of your opponent. And so in the same way, the Christian's faith is his shield. 
He says, shielding us from the fiery darts of the devil. Much has been said about faith. One of our favorite descriptions we like to go to is from Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're also told in Hebrews 11.6, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith, our shield, is a requirement to believe, uh, at least a level of faith. Faith also, there in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it's clear that it has to do with the unseen. You all have heard me say this before, I think, and the saying is not original with me. But faith is obedience. I want you to think a little bit about Abraham. Abraham was probably one of the greatest men of faith that we have recorded in Scripture. When God told Abraham to take your family and move, to a far country. What did Abraham do? He went. Even though he didn't know where he was going, he went. Later, God told Abraham, take your son Isaac to this mountain a long ways off and sacrifice him there to me as a burnt offering. And what did Abraham do? He went. And he was about to make that sacrifice until God intervened and provided a substitute. Abraham was a man of faith because he obeyed what God told him to. He put his faith in action. If God had told Abraham to do these things and he said, well, God, yeah, I believe you, but I'm not going to do it. Was that, would have that been faith? So faith is more than believing. Faith is belief that leads to obedience. If we want to exercise faith, we're going to obey what God has commanded in his word. And if we, through faith, are obedient to the Lord, we're going to protect ourselves from the attacks of the evil one. There's no substitute for determined obedience to the Lord to keep, to keep us from falling when we're tempted. If, if we are are determined in our minds that what God says in his word is true, I'm going to follow it. You know, when, when we fall into sin, when we fall and we're tempted, often it's because we have doubted what God has told us in his word. 
So I believe that faith is obedience, obedience is faith, and it provides a powerful shield against Satan's attack. In verse 17, we're called to put on the helmet of salvation. Salvation through Christ gives us eternal hope. It takes away our fears. It gives us a confidence of our final destiny. We can stand firm because we know we have that helmet of salvation. We know that we are on the winning side as long as we're faithful. And then the last item he says to put on is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there's one marked difference in this piece of the Christian's armor, and that is that it is an item of offense rather than defense. Just as Jesus defeated Satan's temptations by quoting Scripture, we have a powerful tool to defeat the tempter when he faces us. In our time of trial, the Spirit can bring to mind those scriptures that we need for our defense. But you know, it's up to us to read and to know those scriptures ahead of time. We need to fill our minds with the promises of God in the scriptures so that the Spirit has that opportunity to work and to bring those things to our remembrance. We haven't read God's Word and filled our, filled our minds, we're not going to be very prepared. Our sword's not going to be very sharp. It made me think of the, of the old saying, I'm not sure who it's credited to, that sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. If we know the scriptures and allow the Spirit to use what we have filled our minds with, that's the only weapon that he says that we need in our fight. He moves on then in verse 18 with the command to pray always. Pray for ourselves as well as praying for others. It's a very important part of standing firm in the faith. We must not neglect our prayer life if we want to be victorious. And we must not neglect praying for others as well. Praying that they would have strength to stand firm to the end. You see, standing firm in the face of evil, in the face of temptation, isn't just about me. Did, did God send Jesus to call me to salvation? Yes. But he sent Christ to call a body of believers of which I am a part. So it's not just about me standing firm. It's about me standing firm and helping each of you to stand firm in the fight. He's not calling just me to be faithful. He's calling all of us to be faithful and victorious. 
And so we each need to do our part in supporting and carrying the body of believers to spiritual victory. In verse 19, Paul requested prayer for himself. And I think that his request is probably echoed by all who are ministers of the gospel. We today, your, your ministers are not bound in chains as Paul was. As he was at this point in prison, uh, imprisonment in Rome. But we still need your prayers for God's help that we would be able to clearly proclaim the gospel message with boldness and without fear of men. Here we have another part of us as individuals and also collectively as what we need to stand firm. Because if we have good, clear biblical teaching, it helps us to understand the word, helps us to make application of it in our lives. So I admonish you, pray for those who stand before you to teach and to preach. Paul then ends this epistle with some final greetings, letting them know he was sending Tychicus to them to let them know how he was doing to deliver this letter. And he ends with a benedictory blessing of peace and of love and grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. And just one note on that benediction. As he addressed it to those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to stand firm in the face of temptation and trial, develop a deeper love and appreciation for Jesus Christ, for what he's done for you, for what he has provided for you. The deeper our love and commitment is to our Lord, the stronger we're going to be when we're faced with temptation and trial. So in conclusion, let's take up the armor that God has supplied and let's go forth individually and collectively as a church to victory in the Lord. May God bless you.